James 3, verse 1 to 18. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able also to control the whole body. Now if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder where the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. Thanks so much, Rachel. Um, just going to ask um, John, if we can spotlight John as well at the same time, for a second, um, and Chantal, it's lovely to have you um, with us this morning. Um, you've already been such a blessing. It's been a blessing to chat to them briefly before the service. Really nice. John, I think lots of people this morning do know um, yourself and Chantal. Um, just briefly, can you just tell us where you are and, and what you do at the moment? Is that all right? Sure. Um, yeah, we live in Orlando. We moved here uh, just a few years ago, uh, we previously lived in Alton and uh, moved to Orlando to take a leadership position with or Agape, as it's known in the UK. Uh, so it's a missions organization. And I head up technology for uh, for the missions organization here um, uh, for, for crew. So, um, yeah, so we've been here about three years and now live in Orlando and are starting to get to grips with what it's like being here. A huge irony that we moved over so that we could be closer to people who we haven't seen for the last year face to face anyway but that's uh, that's another story so <laughs> well good morning everyone a real blessing to be with you as always i just love that at the click of a button um i can just teletransport thousands of miles and join our friends at alton baptist church and i love that in the heart of mothering sunday we can come back to our home church this morning so we are so blessed and encouraged and loved by so many of you, and we just really appreciate it. I can't tell you how much uh, we lean on the relationships we have with, with folks in Alton, so to thank you for our family. Have you ever said something in the heat of the moment and immediately regretted it? 
my boss sent me uh, a, a technology proposal um, for me to review. He forwarded me a, a proposal. And uh, this is something I do often in my role as director of technology for Crew. And uh, this particular project can pro- be best be described as one of the more harebrained schemes I've seen. Uh, I was frustrated that it had even been given airtime with our executive leadership. So I typed out my blunt evaluation of this proposal and the so-called leader who had sent it. Uh, I pulled no punches in my evaluation. A split second after I clicked send, a feeling of dread came over me as the blood drained from my face. I asked myself the question, had I clicked reply or reply all? And who else was on that thread anyway? Well, it had turned out I'd sent a reply to a whole string of people, including the person who'd submitted the proposal and uh, his boss. Yikes, embarrassing. It's not that my evaluation was off, but the words I chose to use were not appropriate, and I regretted them. I have breached a value that I hold really strongly about building trust. I make it a point not to say anything to anyone that I wouldn't say to their face. But on this occasion, I had not lived up to my own standards. So red-faced, I had to get in touch with all the people on the chain um, to apologize for my inappropriate remarks. Well, if you can rest this, maybe... In the heat of an argument, you've said something that you deeply regret. I have some good news for you. You are in great company. In our passage today, James says this is something that we all resonate with. Can you see my screen? I just want to check if someone can give me a nod that it's going through. Great, that's fantastic. So yeah, in our, in our passage in James today, James says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues... We would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every way. This is tough. As Christians, this is the most difficult battle that we wage as Christians. And, um, and so, so it's really difficult. In fact, it's so, so hard that James says we all struggle with this. So when Benice asked me to speak on the topic of influence and social media, I, uh, I scoured the Bible for relevant passages, and after an intensive search, I can tell you there are no references to the term social media in the Bible. Uh, but I did find this passage, and it's amazingly relevant for us today in our age of social media. For as long as humans have been alive, communication has been important to us. It's an essential part of any relationship and an important aspect of how we influence the world and how the world influences us for better or worse. And so that's what today's passage is all about. And if anything, the emergence of social media has amplified this and created some unique challenges for our generation. Now, I'm a bit of a data nerd. So if you're not, bear with me for just one minute. Um, There are currently 4.2 billion people on social media. That's over 50% of the human population uh, and nearly every internet user. And we're in spending an increasing amount of time on social media. In 2019, we spent an average of 153 minutes on social media. That's nearly two and a half hours. Um, 2020, during lockdown, the data suggests that increased quite dramatically. Some say as much as, as double. And these are just average numbers. You look at our younger generation, the 16 to 24-year-olds, 
their increase in social media uses has, has increased at a much higher rate or a significantly higher rate. So um, Chantal and I um, watched this social media on uh, this uh, um, uh, documentary on Netflix um, just a couple of months ago called The Social Di- Dilemma. It's an interesting, if alarming, look at how social media is affecting uh, society. And an interesting quote from that uh, movie is, um, there are only two industries that call customers users, illegal drugs and software. Undoubtedly, there is uh, an addictive nature uh, to social, social media. And the documentary draws a link between excessive social media use and mental health. And it seems that this, there's some trends emerging amongst our younger generation that are alarming, particularly in our young girls. So girls aged 15 to 19, this is a screenshot from the documentary, they saw a 70% increase in suicides since social media became available on mobile devices. Um, and if you look at the younger generation, 10 to 14, that's a 151% increase in suicides. The trends here are alarming. The reality is that our words have power and we need to be alert and aware how social media might be affecting us and how we are affecting others on these platforms. Now, I'm amazed at how the principles in the Bible about controlling the tongue apply to our modern day world. James 3 is perhaps the most comprehensive passage on this topic. And so as we look at James Today, we're going to look at his principles for the tongue and apply them to our modern day world of social media. James starts by walking us through a few metaphors to show the power of the tongue. We have the horse and the bit and the ship and the rudder. The the bit and the rudder are very, very small, but despite being small, they have a very major impact on everything. They're often tiny and overlooked, but the impact is great. Now, these words, our tongue, can bring life or they can bring death. They can encourage, they can uplift, they can support, or they can destroy, they can tear down, and they can devastate. His third metaphor shows the devastating impact of our tongue or the potentially devastating impact of our tongue. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Growing up, if I ever said, if someone ever said something mean to me, and I started to whine and complain, I was told, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Maybe that's a phrase you heard too. It turns out this is not true. I'm sure we can all recall moments in our life where we were deeply wounded by words, especially if those words came from a parent, a teacher, a spouse, or a close friend. Some of our deepest and longest lasting words came from painful words that hit us to our core. Now, there's some debate among scholars here as to whether the word body refers to us as individuals or a more community aspect of, 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 of it, it relates to us as, uh, as the body of Christ or a network of relationships around us. I personally believe that this has a double meaning, that words have the power to both destroy us internally 
and also devastate our relationships and communities. James later describes uh, our words as being potentially toxic and poisonous. A good definition of toxic is anything containing poisonous material capable of causing sickness and even death. This is a physical description of the word toxic, but this description is also true in our relationships and it can be true in our spiritual life. There are toxic things we encounter that we can bring into our relationships and even into our relationship with God. But words can also bring life. They can they can encourage, they can uplift. I'm sure you can all also recall a time when someone gave you the perfect word of encouragement at just the right time. Proverbs has a couple of verses about this. Gentle words are a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Words are like deep waters. Wisdom flows from the like a bubbling brook. So this brings us to our first social media health check. If you have your um, mobile device to hand, um, I'd like you to pull it out and take a look at your social media feed. This is the one time you could actually check social media during the sermon unashamedly. Um, but if you have a moment, just reflect on your own words that you posted in your last few fo- posts and ask yourself this question. Do they bring life or do they bring death? Are they uplifting and encouraging or are they judgmental boastful or destructive words have the power to bring life and to bring death and james is asking us to be mindful and intentional about how we choose our words if you don't have your devices to hand i'm sure you can look at day but i just encourage you to take a moment to reflect on how you're communicating and how you're choosing your words but even this is not enough Because James says people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises the Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. As hard as we might try, we will never control our own tongues. And the hypocrisy here should trouble us. If we praise God and curse with the same mouth, what does that say about us? If God has redeemed us on the inside, shouldn't this also be reflected in our speech? The problem here is not a matter of self-control and effort. It's more internal than this, because bad words come from a rotten core. James goes on to say, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable and good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are us and there is selfish ambition in your heart, Don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. I think this section could have been written with our age of social media in mind. 
As I look at my social media feeds, I see and even resonate with all of the symptoms of a rotten core. I'm going to pull out just three of these. The first of these is boasting. This is where we share only the highlights, the extreme, the best moments, the exceptional, the unbelievable, the significant and noteworthy. And all of these things sound so wonderful and so positive. Key of them, we're often unaware of the feeling that emerges within us as we start to believe that our lives, by comparison, are somehow boring, mundane, somehow less important or significant. And this can be a really powerful driver towards depression. And then when something amazing happens to us, we can't wait to boast about it and feed on all the likes that we get. But after the high, we crash. And it's not long before we go back to feeling average, discouraged, and depressed. Which leads us to our second symptom of a rotten core. This is jealousy and envy. As we hear all of those wonderful things that's happening to everyone else, we become jealous of those things. It appears that as if other people have incredible things happen to them every day. The neighbor who just got a new car, the colleague who just went on an amazing vacation, the friend who just found love, or the couple who just got pregnant. We don't just compare ourselves with each individual separately. We tend to compare ourselves with the sum total of everyone else's lives. It appears as if people are outstanding things happen every day. And if we don't have all of those things happen to us, we feel jealous, we feel envious, we feel outraged. But the reality is everyone is feeling the same way. And this jealousy is a symptom of a rotten core. James says, such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Yikes, those are strong words. And our last symptom of a rotten core relates to the way that social media can impact our worldview. Social media has become the principal mechanism by which we discover and interpret the world around us. Many of us use our mobile devices to read news or commentary on events that are happening in the world around us. I know over the last uh, few days, there's been uh, some significant things happen in the UK news that have exploded on social media. What we don't often ask ourselves is, is what I'm reading good or an inaccurate source of truth? In fact, we assume that what I'm reading on social media is the same as what you're reading. But the truth is, it's actually not. Social media tries to engage us with content that is targeted to our interests and worldview. We can see posts and content that's curated to reinforce our worldview and biases. And this can lead to polarization and extremism. This became dramatically clear in the U.S., um, as we went through a very divisive and polarized presidential election. I'm not going to comment on my political views because they're complex and not relevant. But on both sides, we have Christians saying, uh, reading their own social media feeds, saying, how on earth could any Christian vote for a person like Trump? And at the same time, we have other Christians reading their social media feeds saying, how on earth could anyone vote for other than Trump, he's the only one representing Christian values. And if you look at each group's news feeds, it kind of makes sense, believe it or not, why they believe so passionately in their position. But there's no room for disagreement, for other opinions. 
Social media surrounds us with people who think the same as us. And it's just so easy to ignore those who don't, who think differently. In the celebrity world, this is called cancel culture. This, um, this polarization can even affect the way we read the Bible and listen to sermons. Instead of opening the Bible with friends who are also just wrestling and trying to make sense of the world, we are just trying to find the point that justifies the world that we have already found. And if we don't find it, we just ignore it and shut it out. We've stopped genuinely searching for truth. I believe that the only way that we can stay centered and combat the negative effects of social media is to make the Bible our source of truth. I want to encourage you to think about how you might spend more time in the word than you do on social media. Let the Bible help you interpret the world around you, your political opinions, your convictions. Let the Bible just talk to you about your worth and your value and remind you of the riches that you have in him. The Bible is our only reliable source of truth. And many of us have unknowingly replaced the Bible with our social media feeds. So I really want to encourage you to make an intentional decision to put the Bible back in a place of priority in your life. Make the Bible app the first app that you open each day before you check social media or the news. Make an effort to spend longer in the Bible than on social media. I do this using my screen time report on my phone. It can tell me exactly how long I've spent on Facebook and how much time I've spent on my Bible app. Um, maybe think about turning off uh, notifications on social media. Since watching The Social Dilemma, uh, Chantelle took this step uh, a couple of months ago. And last week she said, I feel like I've recovered a huge portion of my life. I wasn't aware how often throughout the day Facebook was, in was interrupting me and distracting me from what is important. If you use a Bible app, maybe turn on notifications. I use uh, an app called YouVersion, and I can set up a reading plan, and it pings me each day with a reminder uh, to spend time in the Word. <clears throat> Which brings us to our last section. But the word from wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reach a, reap a harvest of righteousness. Words can bring life. They can be good. They can be really good. James's point here is not that we should not use our tongue at all. It's that we should do good with them. Some of you may have taken a step to remove yourselves from social media or to fast from it. And there are many good reasons for doing this. And if that's a decision you've reached, I encourage you to continue in that bold step. But I don't think the point here is about whether or not we're on social media. The principles here predate social media and apply to all forms of communication. But social media is a powerful platform that can bring life and death. And so we're going to look at a few positive ways that we can use it. I encourage you to look for opportunities to speak words of life. Maybe pray for someone who is suffering. Actually, praying on Facebook can be a great thing to do, uh, just to type out a very short prayer in response to something that someone has gone through, to serve in need, to encourage someone who's depressed, 
to care about someone who's distressed. Sometimes the best words that we can share are God's words. Sharing a relevant Bible verse or an insight um, in your newsfeed can be really, really helpful. Talk about how God's working in your life, not just in the highlights, but how God journeys with you through the tough times. If you're like me, I find it really hard to bring up the topic of Jesus in our conversations naturally. Some people are really, really good at this, um, but I find it hard. Um, but there's a really cool concept on social media that, that is opened up. I can post a video. You can see one playing on the left here. That's one of our videos. Um, I can post an article on Facebook or even just share my thoughts about any topic I like. And it's normal. It's socially acceptable to do this. People can post stuff that they just find interesting. And we're amazed that when we post something as simple as this video on the left, this is a video called Falling Plates. Um, and it's one of our most uh, shared videos. Um, and we're just amazed how many times people just uh, respond to this video. And we're amazed at who responds, because if we're honest, we have no idea how people are doing on the inside. People aren't always transparent about the tough things going on in people's lives. And so when we, po when we post a thought-provoking video like this, we're amazed at how many people respond who it has hit to the core uh, and challenge them. Um, so uh, I mentioned before I'm a director of technology for Crew, and my team built all sorts of digital tools and resources designed to help people introduce those around them to Jesus. Last year, we saw 216 million people touch one or more of our websites or social media channels. Um, the video, this video has been seen by countless people. And so I just, maybe that's a step this week is just share, share this video or share a video on something. And you'll be amazed at some of the comments you get in, in, in reply. It's a great way of striking a conversation. In fact, this has proven so effective that we've uh, built a whole strategy around it. Uh, we've created an app called Vogue. Um, and this is basically a library of thought-provoking videos. And you can share these videos with your friends on social media or however you like. Uh, and it'll even tell you when they've watched the video uh, so that you know to ping back and carry on a conversation. So if you have an intentional conversation with someone as a result of a thought-provoking video. Um, and for those of you who want to take it a step even further, um, our organization does a lot with social media on a larger scale. Um, so this is more for people who are thinking about how can you use social media as a ministry to engage a lot of people? Um, and so we use some of the powerful social media tools that companies use to try and make you buy stuff. We try and do good things with them. We try and help people who are searching for answers find answers. Uh, and it's amazing how powerful this has been, how many people we've been able to connect uh, to Jesus as a result of, uh, of using and so if you're interested about how you might leverage some of these tools, we actually have a whole site full of training on how to do this. We even have a whole bunch of campaigns on different topics already written. We have videos, we have content that you just post over a number of weeks, uh, and it can help you have a social media campaign on a whole bunch of uh, different topics. Well, I hope that I've encouraged you this morning and that you feel equipped uh, to establish healthy social media habits. As you go into this next week, I'd like to leave you with this thought. How will you use words to bring life to those around you?
Thank you.